Well, again, I want to say welcome. So glad to be here with you in person worship and maskless worship. And um, this is the second Sunday of Lent, a time of uh, a season really of preparation as we kind of anticipate Easter and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that we can experience new life, so that his kingdom can begin to blossom and flourish here on earth, his will being done just as it is in heaven. And uh, a friend of mine who was here last week uh, reminded me yesterday that we're dust because uh, that was kind of the, the, the way that Lent starts with Ash Wednesday is just the, the reminder that we're dust, that we're mortal, that life is precious, that it's temporary, that we have an eternal hope in Jesus. And uh, we started a new series called Jesus Says last week, and each week we're going to highlight one of the statements that Jesus makes about himself. And people today still kind of wrestle with the identity of Jesus. You know, who is he? And so over the next six weeks that are left here, we're going to hear from Jesus on Jesus, his own words. And uh, in the back, you'll, you'll find these actually over there on that table. These are prayer cards, and we kind of the inspiration for this series came from a, a week of prayer that was written by Tammy Long. She's a pastor out of the Bay Area. Bay Area. And uh, it's from last year, believe it or not, but it also still applies this year. And there's little devotional cards each week that we'll have available for you. And an, a Lenten exercise, and we're learning how to do breath prayers. Okay, so there's, there's no one-size-fits-all way of praying. There's many ways of praying. What matters to us as Christians is who we're praying to. We're praying to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And a breath prayer, if you've never heard of that before, uh, it's pretty great because it's short. You know, you think of, oh man, do I have time to pray? Like, how am I going to fit this in? Oh, breath prayer. You can do it while you're standing in line at the grocery store. You can do it while you drive. They're especially great for just kind of focusing yourself. Like if you feel scatterbrained that day or stressed or anxious, a little rhythm of breath prayer uh, is really helpful. And so this week, it's Jesus, light of the world, as you inhale, may I see and reflect your life. Jesus, light of the world, may I see and reflect your life. And sometimes, you know, if it's too long, you just shorten it, right? If you take a shorter inhale or exhale, but that's just the, the rhythm that you want. Jesus, light of my life. May, I, may you see and direct my life. It's a breath prayer. And so uh, make sure you pick up one of those. There's a devotional that goes along with that and give it a try this week. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, I had one of those kind of milestones in life. Um, man, I, I received this email that was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, Scott, you can put it up on the screen for you. It says, greetings from the Illuminati world elite empire. Yeah, to me. They said, bringing the poor, the needy, and talented to the limelight of fame, riches, and powers, knowledge, business, and political connections. Sign me up. This is the right time for you to put all your worries, your health issues, your finance problems to an end by joining the elite family of the Illuminati. And I sat back and I smiled. I actually sent this to a bunch of my friends and I was like, I have arrived. Ugh. Yes, the Illuminati. And... Um, 
There was some kind of threatening language at the end of it that was a little uncomfortable because, you know, this is kind of a one-time offer, and if I pass on this, I could be in big trouble. Um, so, you know, there's that. But I was tempted to respond, like, man, good, jo- good job. You can have my information for free. Like, this just made my day. Um, but the Illuminati, you might be wondering, like, who are the Illuminati? And that's kind of just it. Nobody knows. But they are very bright, very smart people. And so um, the enlightened ones, it's, it's nice just to get a, a good laugh every now and then from your email box. But when someone's claiming to be enlightened, I mean, our response is we laugh, right? And so if that's our response in 2022, Imagine how people reacted to Jesus 2,000 years ago when he stands up at this huge public feast and he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John 8 Verse 12. And to understand the force of this statement by Jesus, and, and really the shock that this probably would have caused amongst the people at that feast, and there would have been a lot of people at that feast held in Jerusalem, um, you kind of have to imagine or, or understand where he said it. And so Jesus, on the last day of this long, it's the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is something that the Jewish people have celebrated for eons. And there's seven days to this festival. And on the last day, um, this happens in the autumn. It's after the harvest season. It's this very celebratory, you know, there's there's Passover, which is the springtime thing. The the equivalent of that in the fall would be the Feast of Tabernacles. This is huge to the Jewish people. And they had this um, event on the the last day, the, the last evening, they would light these enormous lamps, for lack of a better word. And, and you can't really call them lamps. There were 16 of these bowls. They're huge. They're filled with uh, like olive oil. And they, they, had, <laughs> they made the wicks, this cracked me up. They made the wicks out of used undergarments, okay? <laughs> and these are like full length. The priests would have wore them when they wore out. Like that's how big we're talking these these bulls are. They climb ladders so that they could reach it. They're enormous. And so think of this in a, in a place, in a city that doesn't have any electrical lights. The only light at night would be torches, fires, things like that. So they're used to it being dark when the sun comes down. But on this particular evening, they light these huge bulls. They're you know, reflecting their life, light off of the limestone blocks of the, the temple. It would have been stunning. People described it as a wonder. Like, this, you have to go to Jerusalem to see this. And they would have had an orchestra or their version of an orchestra playing, and there, there was men who would go, they would sing and dance to the streets, praising God. It was pretty festive. It's pretty moving and beautiful. And so this is where Jesus stands up and says, you know, I am the light of the world. Well, there's many Old Testament allusions to light being a metaphor for God's presence. The book of Psalm has many of them. Um, Psalm 27.1, we 
put it on the screen for you. Uh, the Israelites would sing, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, Whom shall I fear? They would sing over and over, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That was one of their kind of worship songs. Uh, also in the Psalms, Psalm 119 talks about the, the word of God. God's word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Uh, another favorite, Psalm 36. For with you is, is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Over and over again throughout the Old Testament, light is a metaphor for God's presence. In fact, uh, the prophet Isaiah he, he applies this kind of messianic theme to it, saying the servant of the Lord was appointed as a light to the Gentiles so that the Messiah might bring God's salvation to everywhere on earth. But probably the most important example of God's presence being associated with light comes from the Exodus. Because as the people of Israel, were, Moses was leading them from Egypt to the promised land, God would show up by a pillar of cloud in the day and a what by night? A pillar of fire. It was God's way of, of sending his presence to guide his people through the wilderness. Over and over again, light is associated with God, his guidance, his presence. And so here's Jesus standing in the glow of the temple and he says, I am, as in like the sacred name of God, I am, I am the light of the world. And he doesn't let it hang. He immediately says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus' promise is that his light will guide anyone through whatever wilderness you may face or walk, whatever darkness you may see if you believe in him. So darkness, darkness can be described as an absence of light. <clears throat> Look it up in, the, in our phones or dictionaries, and that's what you're going to find. It's the absence of light. It, it, it can also mean wickedness or evil, which you could say that's like an absence of God's light. That's what darkness is. And it's definitely possible to have partial darkness. I mean, that's what most of us are used to in today's world, at least here in the Snoqualmie Valley. It's partial darkness. You've got, it's not total darkness. You've got street lamps. You've got car headlights. You've got you know, house, house lights that are on. So we're, we're very used to partial darkness. And most of us have never been, or at least very rarely been, in total darkness. Think about that. When's the last time you were in total darkness? Well, for me, it's, it's often like when I'm camping. I'm, I'm hunting. I'm out in the woods somewhere. And a few years ago, we were, uh, my, my family was camping uh, in, the, in the forest at a National Forest Service um, campground. So, you know, there's no electricity or running water there. There's pit toilets. It's dark at night. And for whatever reason, my family, we have this little pop-up tent trailer, and there is a toilet in it, but we weren't using it. I don't, I don't remember why. It was long enough ago. Probably because we were close to the bathroom, and I was like, we're just going to go over there and use that. And so 
naturally I wake up in the middle of the night and I have to go oh so bad and I put on my headlamp and I'm you know trucking down the trail and it's not through the woods it's not scary at all it's through this like kind of grassy open field but unknown to me a deer had bedded down for the night I mean I think it it was almost in the toilet all right it was so close to the bathroom that it was ridiculous but I didn't know it was there and so I'm marching along and I'm going kind of fast because I got to go and you know you reach that point where you mentally realize like I'm gonna make it right and so you kind of relax a lot I'm almost there you relax a little bit that was the moment that Mr. Deer decided to launch from his evening bed right in front of me snorting you know knocking stuff down and running away and that was when I realized I didn't need the toilet anymore right <laughs> I mean my I'm, I'm only kidding I, I, I didn't know what to do I was just like ha, 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 ha. like what was that? I thought it was a bear something it's just a stupid deer I was so mad at that deer but we know like this is the reason why we're scared of the dark because there's always that threat of something worse and our imagination plays havoc with with our emotions and what is it about the dark that affects us so much you know a dark world it's full of barely lit paths it's full of hidden threats potential enemies or worse at least that's what we imagine and it doesn't just feel like the absence of light it feels like the absence of God when you look around our world right now it seems like a pretty dark place doesn't it where is God in the midst of a global pandemic in the midst of people living in fear and isolation in the midst of worry about inf inflation right now finances I mean you throw the climate and the uncertainty surrounding that now we have war in Ukraine and this threat of imminent cyber attack from Russia I mean the list goes on and on and on you know the American Psychological Association they conduct this survey every year called the stress in America stress in America survey it just came out some of you probably heard about it over the weekend and they've been doing this for 15 years um, but they found that this and so this is just that just happened like early March they surveyed people and they found that more adults are rating inflation and issues related to the invasion of Ukraine as stressors than any other issue they've asked about in the 15-year history of the survey think about that we're unified in our like almost total anxiety and fear over these things uh, their CEO he said the number of people who say they're significantly stressed about these most recent events is stunning relative to what we've been through since the beginning of the survey in 2007 I mean you would have had the Great Recession you would have had the pandemic it's at a higher rate now than it's ever been he goes on to say Americans have been doing their best to preserve or to persevere over these last two tumultuous years but this data suggests that we're reaching unprecedented levels of stress that will challenge our ability to cope 
how do you cope? I mean, can, can we add one more thing to the pile? I don't know. When you're stuck in survival mode, it's overwhelming. It feels like darkness reigns, partially, totally. So in the prayer cards that I mentioned earlier, Tammy Long, the author, she writes this. She says, Our world under the weight of sin is like that. Dark, oppressive, heavy, evil. We've lost our way. We're bumping into each other. Evil lurks. And one has to only look at systematic racial injustice, at poverty, at economic disparity, health and education inequities, misogyny, bigotry, oppression, greed to recognize she didn't have the war in Ukraine because she wrote this last year. You see all that and you recognize that our world is very much in darkness. So in a very dark world, how do you cope? How do I cope? Well, here's why the words spoken by Jesus apply to us today as they did to the people who heard it back then. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you'll recognize that when he said this, he was surrounded by total darkness. Literally. And in the fallen world in which we live, we're going to often find ourselves surrounded by darkness. And so we have a choice to be overcome, or we can choose the light. Which is it going to be for you? You know, Christians believe in this miracle called the Incarnation. It's Jesus. It's God in human flesh. It's God entering our time and our space. And through him, we can discover new life if we follow him. If we follow him, we walk in the light. And there's going to always be darkness. There's going to be moments in history. There's going to be moments in our personal history that seem much, much darker than others. But if we can walk in the light with Jesus, if we can walk in the light with one another, we can overcome. You will never walk in darkness, says Jesus. God's presence will guide and deliver us through this present darkness. You know, um, when you read the New Testament, John especially, who writes several things, the Gospel of John, 1, 2, 3, John, he loves the dark and light contrast. He's writing about it all the time. And I, and I kind of wonder, I'm like, you think it was at this feast that it finally clicked for him? I am the light of the world. I mean, he starts his Gospel off with this. This is John 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, that last word, overcome, I mean, that's especially applicable to us in our super stressed out world right now. We're about to be overcome. But the Bible declares that darkness 
has not overcome the light. That's good news. You know, it's not that darkness reigns. It might feel like that. Light reigns. Wherever light is, darkness flees. That's what we believe as followers of Jesus. That's where our hope comes from. We get to you know, live in the light. So when we have these moments in life that seem especially dark, we have that choice. Do we, do we get overwhelmed? Do we get overcome by it? Or do we move closer to the light? In fact, it doesn't even matter. If you can't move close enough to the light, it doesn't matter. Because God decided he would move the light closer to you. That's the incarnation, the good news that's found in Jesus. And so we can't lose sight of this. God wasn't willing to leave us in the dark. He's provided a light. And all you have to do is choose it. Move to the light. Move closer to the light. What does that mean in your life? I don't know. But you might be thinking of something. Here's what I need to do to go find the light. Do it. Um, the Bible had a word for, for people who surrendered their lives to God, who've put their faith in Jesus. Uh, they're in God's family. I mean, it changes everything. And they had, they had this, you know, you're the children of God. But they would also call Christians children of the light, at least the early church would. And in, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. And here's the thing, it's not just Christ shining on you. When your faith is in Jesus, he shines in you. You become the light. Let it shine. Let it shine for the other people in your life. Let it shine for those that you care about most, for, for people that you work with, people that you go to school with, people that you meet. You're a child of the Almighty. You're a child of the light. Let it shine. I'll close with this story. You know, several years ago, um, I was watching the funeral of, of it was George H.W. Bush. So President Bush a few years ago passed away and I was watching this funeral. And uh, Reverend Russell Levinson, he, he was the speaker, and in, he's given this sermon, amazing sermon, and he points to this beautiful stained glass window that's behind him. And he recalls that uh, when that window was dedicated, when it was put in, uh, President George Bush, the first one, was actually there at that ceremony and, and he spoke. He delivered a message. 
And he said this, this is President Bush, he says, from where we now stand, the rose window high above seems black and formless to some perhaps, but when we enter, we see it backlit from the sun. It dazzles in astonishing splendor. It reminds us that without faith, we too are but stained glass windows in the dark. And then he continued. He said, uh, Reverend Levinson continued. He says, President Bush understood that even in our darkest of nights, things can be transformed if handed over to the redemptive power of the Almighty. And he He closed the flourish saying, no one on that first Good Friday expected Easter Sunday, but it came. It came because the light that brought creation into being also brought life from the grave. We call that resurrection. See, without faith, we're all like stained glass windows in the dark. But when the light of Christ dwells within us, when it shines within us, our eternal hope rests with the one who can bring life from the grave. Amen? That's Jesus. He's the light of the world. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we need to hear this message now more than we probably ever did. And for some of us who've grown accustomed to sitting in church It might even seem cliche. Oh yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. But do I believe that? Do I believe it today? Help us, Lord, in our doubts, our fears, our anxiety, our stress, our unknowns. Let us hold them before you, God. Whatever darkness is inside of us, we spew it out in front of you, God, and we say, let there be light. We turn it over to you. Shine your light on us in our lives. Let us not walk in darkness, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to move toward your light. That's our prayer this morning, today this week, God. We praise you in your precious name. Amen.